Steve Lance, your host of the Capitol Report on NTD News. If you have not done so yet, please hit that subscribe button to stay up to date with all of the latest news coming out of the nation's capital and beyond. And our next guest is author of the new book, The Return, Trump's Big 2024 Comeback. He's also host of Dick Morris Democracy on Newsmax TV. Dick Morris, thanks so much for joining us on the Capitol Report. Thank you, Steve. Dick, I want to get your thoughts on the midterms. A lot of competitive races, a fascinating one in Pennsylvania between Dr. Oz and John Fetterman. Have the polls been accurate about Dr. Oz being down? And do you think or why, why are we seeing it play out the way it is? Well, first of all, I want to mention my book, which is The Return, Trump's Big 2024 Comeback. Uh, in 2016, I wrote a book called Armageddon, How Trump Can Beat Hillary. And that proved to be completely accurate. And my new book is how Trump will be elected in 24. And I outline how and the strategy and what the Dems are going to try to do and how to stop it. Um, about the midterms, I think we're going to win the House and the Senate. I think Oz was beaten up in the primary. There were a lot of negative ads against him. Uh, Fetterman coasted, and he's getting some sympathy votes because of his illness. But Oz has closed from about nine behind to about four behind. And I think he's going to ultimately pull it out. Um, I think that the Republicans are going to win the Senate. And uh, I think they're going to win Georgia and Nevada and uh, Wisconsin and um, North Carolina and a host of other seats. I think it'll probably be about 53, 47 by the time everything's over. Dick, you mentioned uh, the sympathy votes for Fetterman uh, in, Pen in the Pennsylvania S Senate race. Fetterman has been recovering from a very serious uh, stroke that he had. Uh, he suffered a few months back while on the campaign trail. We truly do wish him a speedy recovery on that. Uh, he's just agreed to debate uh, uh, Dr. Oz, yet his cognitive ability and speech seem to be an issue. Do you think this will be the right move for him? I think the problem is not how he speaks, but what he speaks. <laughs> uh, Fetterman uh, sat on the parole board and uh, let all kinds of horrible people out of prison. And he says that uh, he believes that a third of the inmates in Pennsylvania prisons belong on the streets. And I don't think most people want that. Uh, there also is a bill, they have a terrible district attorney in Philadelphia named Larry Krasner. And uh, he, his policy literally is not to prosecute anyone for any serious felony. He was elected with George Soros's money. And the legislature thought so badly of his record that they passed a law saying that the attorney general could intervene in cases where Krasner was not prosecuting them. And, uh, and Shapiro, the attorney general, has refused to do that, and Fetterman supports that refusal. Uh, so I think that that unless Philadelphia and the rest of the state want to be overwhelmed with crime, they better choose someone other than Fetterman. I also would point out that the prosperity that fracking has brought to Pennsylvania has been so important, and the international implications of making the United States energy independent, which it's accomplished, are so significant that it's terrible to elect either uh, Shapiro, governor, or Fetterman, senator, but we should vote for Mastriano and for Oz instead, uh, because Pennsylvania's prosperity will depend on it. If you compare upstate New York with outstate Pennsylvania, there's no comparison. Uh, these cities like Binghamton and Utica and Syracuse have lost half their population. 
and outstate Pennsylvania is booming and the difference is fracking. Very interesting point there, Dick. Uh, so I just want to switch gears a little bit and ask you, uh, Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas on Sunday said that the threats facing the U.S. and in the 21 years since September 11th have shifted from worries about foreign terrorists to growing concerns about domestic extremism. What's your take? Well, the Democrats realize they can't have a side-by-side -side comparison of the records of the two presidents, Biden and Trump, because, you know, Biden had 9% inflation, Trump had two. Biden has five and $6 gas, Trump had less than two. Under uh, Trump, the border was basically closed. Two million people have come in under Biden. So not to make that comparison, they're trying to distract people by talking about domestic extremism, political violence, and all sorts of stuff like that. Uh, the fact of the matter is there's very little political violence. The far more potent threat from right, as opposed to right-wing groups are BLM rioters who tore apart Philadelphia. I used to have an apartment in Philly because I did a radio show there. And uh, my block, 12th and uh, Spruce, was completely decimated by the rioters. My, my dry cleaner was forced out. My, the bar I go to was forced out. The whole place is, was burned out. And uh, I think that's a far more potent threat. This is all a device by the Democrats to distract attention from Biden's record. Dick Morris, really appreciate your perspective. Thank you. Banks and credit card companies may soon be tracking gun and ammunition purchases. A new merchant code creates a separate category for these purchases. The International Organization for Standardization, or ISO, approved the new category. The ISO is a non-governmental body based in Geneva, Switzerland. It creates standards across various industries, including financial services. New York-based Amalgamated Bank was one of the first banks to request the new code from ISO. Its president says the new code will help them, quote, report suspicious activity and illegal gun sales to authorities without blocking or impeding legal gun sales. Critics of the code say firearm purchases are not necessarily suspicious. The new code means gun purchases made with a credit card can now be tracked and flagged as suspicious. On top of this, the FBI may be using a new tactic to get people to renounce their Second Amendment rights. We had a chance to speak with Luis Valdez, director of Gun Owners of America in Florida. Here's a look. Luis Valdez, thank you so much for joining us on the Capitol Report. It's a pleasure to be here. I, I, I'm always honored to be on your show. We're happy to have you. Uh, Lewis, there are new reports out from information provided by your organization that the FBI may have been secretly involved in an effort to have Americans waive their gun rights. Uh, what can you tell us about this? So in 2018, 2019 timeframe, we were given copies of uh, documents from the FBI that basically it's just that, that you waive your right to purchase a firearm. Now, uh, through our own internal investigations, we did a uh, Freedom of Information Act request, and it turns out that this is true. What the FBI has been doing is they have been going to individuals that they were investigating for social media posts or things of that sort, and basically they were presenting them the form and saying, hey, look, if you sign here, you know, this all goes away, but you can't purchase a firearm. You, you basically make yourself a prohibited person 
through the NC through the NICS check system, the National Instant Criminal uh, Check System, which we've been vehemently opposed since the very beginning, because 95% of the initial denials are false positives, individuals that are completely law-abiding, but as you know, the federal government, through their bureaucracy and their failures of bureaucracy, blacklist Americans to purchase firearms. And this is the same exact thing as we saw with the, uh, for example, the, uh, the terrorist uh, no-fly list. I mean, remember, um, Senator Ted Kennedy was even listed on that at one point. But since he was a senator, he was able to get himself off. How about every common American? Do they have the same political pull to do the same? No. It sounds like this is uh, heavily focused um, on online discussions and posts. Uh, where is the fine line or balance, if you will, when it comes to following the threats that we see online from potential violent criminals and at the same time respecting your average American's rights? As a 15-year veteran law enforcement officer myself, I understand that you have to investigate credible threats. That's part of a law enforcement officer's job. But doing that doesn't mean that you strip an individual's rights away without due process. You have to do due process first. If an individual is a credible threat, if they have the means, the motive, and the opportunity to carry out that threat, and it's credible, then you pursue charges, you, per, you go to an assistant state, uh, U.S. state attorney's office, you file charges, they review it, and then it goes through its proper procedures. You just don't go to an individual without presenting charges and saying, hey, look, sign this, We're gonna, you're gonna wave all your firearm rights away. Because in some of these instances, the AUSAs, the assistant U.S. state attorneys, they've actually reviewed these cases and they've determined that it's not credible for an actual criminal charge, that there's nothing there to legally pursue. Now, the FBI has been getting a lot of uh, press lately. Do you think this could be politically motivated, uh, being directed by political appointees or possibly even the current uh, administration? Very much so. As we've already seen with the current administration, they are assaulting our Second Amendment rights by any means they can. We just saw legislation passed sadly with bipartisan support, Republicans and Democrats, looking to expand red flag laws across the country. And we've already seen how that's a failure and a violation of due process. But we've seen the, especially with the Biden administration, they're using everything they have up their sleeve to do it. They're going through uh, federal regulation. They're having ATF go after dealers for any inconsequential minutia to strip them of their dealership license. We see the FBI doing this. We've seen um, through the NICS check system how every delay could be um, uh, made longer and more, and more tediousome for an individual to contest. And we've, even, and we've also seen it on the state level. We've seen in New York, we've seen in California, we've seen states that are already trying to thumb their nose at the U.S. Supreme Court's Bruin decision. This is an assault. Anything that they do, they can do and they will do. And GOA is fighting this tooth and nail, as you already know. We, that's why this is already public. This, we made this public going back to 2019 with an Annaland report. Luis Valdez, thank you so much. Thank you very much. It's always a pleasure to be on the air with you guys.
I just want to thank everybody for listening to this episode. If you enjoy our content, please leave us a rating and a review as it really goes a long way in helping us spread the truth. Until next time, I'm your host, Steve Lance at NTD, and we'll see you soon.